hey, 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 it's your man, Uncle Dub. It is January the 11th, and this is a unplanned uh, recording, but this is your first sports racking sprint of 2024. And January 10th, the question you have to ask yourself is, where were you on January 10th, 2024? Because this day, yesterday was an absolutely insane day for a lot of reasons, especially in the sports world. Um, so we'll talk about the NFL stuff on tomorrow's full episode. Um, you know, Bill Belichick was the big news this morning, January 11th. So we'll, again, we'll talk about that a little bit more because really we'll kind of go through, uh, Belichick's, um, you know, what he's accomplished. I mean, again, arguably one of the greatest coaches, uh, in NFL history, you know, or, or amongst the greats, cause there've been a lot of great coaches, but definitely amongst the greats. Um, then of course, Pete Carroll, you know, you know, so, I mean, again, we'll, we'll kind of get into that later, but uh, Nick Saban, I mean, again, we are 10, 11 days into this year and Nick Saban retires. I mean, again, this has been the most eventful 11 days of a new year that I can recall in some time. And now, again, I'm probably forgetting something. Someone will probably say, but don't you remember? Okay, again, I, I got a lot of stuff going on up in this head. So, hey, forgive me if I've forgotten about some crazy set of events in, I don't know, 2015. I don't freaking know. I mean, what the hell was I doing in 2015? I think I was uh, 2015. Yeah, I was he heavily sleep deprived because I was a new dad uh, with a one-year-old. So anyway, um, Nick Saban. So he retires. And <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about talking about this on tomorrow's show. I said, look, I, I, this is one of those things that got to talk about it now, kind of been seeing a whole lot on Twitter, you know, the, the, you know, kind of, first of all, the praise for Nick Saban, all he has, he's accomplished. Then of course, you know, all the speculation about who potentially could replace him. Um, you know, uh, AD, Alabama AD, Greg Byrne said the new coaching search quote is to be thorough, but expedient. And really when a coach, decides to retire. I don't know if there's really any ever a good time. You know, we know that the timeline for a basketball season versus that of a football season is a little different. Recruiting is seems to be an ongoing thing. Then you add in the transfer portal and the transfer window. And I think with this timing of this retirement, I think the transfer window, I think is now open. So now the question is what happens to these players because now they're kind of waiting with bated breath to know who's going to be their next coach because essentially um, Saban had planned to announce his retirement on Tuesday, but he wanted to tell his players first. He didn't want the media to tell his players, which is, you know, which totally makes sense. You wanted to hear it directly from your coach. So he had to delay the meeting until Wednesday. There were some issues with players getting back to Tuscaloosa with weather issues. Him and his wife went to Florida for a few days, came back, had the meeting. And a lot of people were shocked because he was actually um, interviewing, Zoom interviewing potential new assistants. So then he just kind of said, eh, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. But essentially what he told his players was kind of what I think a lot of people suspected that in so many words, he was tired of the changes in college football. So essentially, NIL. So he kind of feels like NIL is kind of becoming the driving force for players to make transfers. And I have been in a, a total 
in, in total support of NIL since we started talking about it. I've kind of talked about it on this podcast a number of times. I've you know been saying you know look players should be paid, but I'm sort of and I've and I've always had this issue, or at least I'm having this issue now more so that players are now really making a lot of their decisions based on NIL. And that's kind of one of the problems I have with it, that NIL is very inequitable. So think about it. I mean, it makes sense. You think about an Alabama versus that of a, say, I don't know, an Alabama versus, um, hell, I'll throw my alma mater on the bus. You say Alabama versus UVA, okay? So both schools have NIL collectives, but Alabama's pool is huge. Think about what they've accomplished. So we'll go through Nick Saban's resume in just a minute. So, you know, if you say a player is going to leave, and we'll just throw another school in here. We say a player is going to leave, say, a school like Kansas State. So Kansas State's a great school. They've got great football tradition. They've got great players. They've won um, conference titles, all that good stuff, okay? But if a player says, huh, I'm doing well here at Kansas State, but I feel like I want to play on a bigger stage, and, again, that that piece has to come in there somewhere, but then you say, well, I also want a bigger piece of the NIL pie. Well, where are you going to go, okay? You're going to go to an Alabama. You're going to go to an Ohio State, a Clemson, uh, you know. So these schools that have, I don't want to say unlimited resources, but have – resources that are more um, abundant than that of, say, other schools, you know, like, you know, just 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 pick a school that isn't normally in the college football conversation on the regular. So they have football, they have an NIL collective or NIL system, but their money isn't as long as, say, in Alabama. So he was really lamenting that with his players um also he talked about you know he was tired of just the nil being used to uh lure in high school recruits recruit tampering and you know what honestly let's face it recruit tampering is nothing new but if you think about the effect that the nil has on that then that makes tampering even that much more egregious um and as well he said the change in the recruiting calendar so all these things were kind of the uh the the impetus if you will for Nick Saban to say look I'm done I'm out of here and you know again with what coach Saban has accomplished I mean hey you, you can't I can't be mad at him for the very simple fact that what he's I think he's 72 73 something like that and I've said this before when longtime coaches retire. It's, it, you know, you got to get out of what you're doing. Of course, you love it. You do it for all the right reasons. You want to be around the players. You want to see players succeed. You want to win championships. And many of these coaches who have been in their positions for long periods of time, they've done it. But at a certain point, you got to say, look, I go ahead and live my life. You don't know how much longer you got. I mean, hell, you could be standing and coaching a game and drop dead. You, just, I mean, again, God forbid that ever happens, but you just don't know. You got to go live your life. But Nick Saban, let's look at the Alabama years. 17 years at Alabama, six national titles, nine SEC titles, 10 SEC West titles. Overall, so we count the LSU years from 2000 to 2004. He has seven national titles. Remember, he won one at LSU. 11 SEC titles and 12 SEC West titles. So total, he has what? 
seven national titles. Yeah, 11 and 2, right. Okay. So then he also coached at Kent State and he also coached at Michigan State. So he was at Michigan State before he moved to LSU. And he has a MAC, a Mac Mid-America title at Kent State. See, uh, Saban has 201 wins at Alabama that ties him for second for number of wins at one school in the conference. He's tied with uh, legendary Georgia head coach Vince Dooley. And number one overall is Bear Bryant with 232 wins. As a head coach, 28 years total, he is sixth all-time in FBS with a mark of 292, 771, and 1. And across all divisions of football, he's 12th all-time in wins. He's played in 31 bowl games, a coach in 31 bowl games. He's 19 and 12, 9 and 5 in the CFP. He's five-time SEC Coach of the Year and has numerous National Coach of the Year awards, anywhere from the, the what the Eddie Robinson Award to the Sporting News, blah, 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 blah. You name it, Nick Saban has won it at least one time. Um, never had a losing season. S- let me say that again. Nick Saban never had a losing season. The worst he's ever done in 1996 and 1998, both at Michigan State, he went 500. That's it. That's, that's insane. That is absolutely nuts. He won 87% of his games at Alabama. I think that is first all-time in FBS. Two undefeated national championship teams in 2009 and 2020. And he coached Alabama's only four Heisman Trophy winners. And in 10 years of the CFP, Alabama went eight times. 80% of the time, they went to CFP. Absolutely crazy and insane. I mean, those are literally... EA Sports numbers. I think. Look, I used to play EA Sports on the uh, on the Wii back in the day. Man, th- these these are EA Sports numbers. Like, see, I was I was crushing it like that. I was winning like, fuck. I'm trying to remember. I won a shit ton of national titles <laughs> playing EA Sports. So I was putting up Nick Saban numbers. Like, but again, it's mind boggling to think about this stuff. Um. In real time, I mean, it just shows you the just the the commitment to excellence, the the football mind he has, just kind of that will to win, that ability to win. I mean, all the things that you think about when you think about uh, a head coach, and really uh, to say that he is the greatest all time. I mean, that there is no doubt about that. I mean, there have been some great coaches in college football. He is only sixth all-time in wins, but, I mean, look, the way he did it, I mean, again, you would have thought, okay, here's this guy coming from Kent State. He takes the Michigan State job. And Michigan State was a really good program under Saban, but he just kept ascending. And then once he hit LSU, you saw the, the greatness. Then, of course, he went to the NFL for that short period of time with the Dolphins. It didn't work out. He comes back to Alabama, and it was just – full blast off since then of uh, just amazing stuff. But I mean, these are just in real time, these numbers, as I'm doing the research to do this recording, I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, the numbers, I mean, again, metrics are great. We, I always say metrics are great. Metrics don't always tell the whole story, but I will contend to you that Looking at Nick Saban's numbers, the numbers don't lie. I mean, honestly, we can say that Nick Saban's the greatest of all time. I mean, he or or let's just say that he is uh, he will. I think he will be unmatched because, you know, I, I, I want to walk that back because, you know, I, you know how I feel about goat talk. But I'll say this much that I do not think 
I could be wrong about this. I do not think anyone's going to come close to these numbers unless you're playing esports. <laughs> so, so really, um, the, again, um, the only thing I have in, have in common with Nick Saban is I won a shit ton of championships on EA Sports, but nevertheless. Um, let's look at the candidates. Uh, th- this candidate list is crazy. And I'm just going to go ahead and I, I'm just trying to figure out a good way to do this, but I, I'm going to read the names. And then I'm going to tell you who I'm taking off the list because some of these names are so incredibly unrealistic as far as, well, I'll tell you in a second. Okay, let's 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 go with this. So, um, and actually there's one name here that isn't on the official list, but someone brought it up and I'm just going to address that first to be like totally unrealistic. Um, if you go back in the archives, a number of episodes where I had my college football discussion with my which friend of the show, Kush Jenkins, we talked about this, totally unrealistic. Anyway, uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney, uh, Lane Kiffin, Dan Dan Lanning from Oregon, Kalen DeBoer from Washington, Mike Norvell from Florida State, Steve Sarkeesian from Texas, James Franklin from Penn State, and Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame. Okay, those are your names. So let's go ahead and start with who we should cross off this list. We're going to cross off Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Okay. You already have, again, this is the craziest thing ever. We know the the thing that Kiffin did. He left Tennessee, blah, 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 blah. Tennessee fans are still pissed at him about this. And my whole thing is I can understand if some of the fan base is still mad at him, all of you are still mad at him. You got a great coach in Josh Heupel. You finally got the guy you wanted. Let that shit go. Seriously, just let that shit go. But Lane Kiffin would be an idiot to have Two SEC fan bases pissed at him. That's I'm just saying. Um, I don't know what his buyout is. I didn't write it because I think everyone who I'm crossing off the list, I'm just like, I don't care about your buyout. That would be ridiculous. Um, let's cross off Kalen DeBoer's name. Again, did no one learn a lesson from Auburn? So remember Brian Harson? He was at uh, Boise State. He got hired at Auburn, and then all hell broke loose. Now, to be fair, Harson was a co-OC at Texas, and I think he was at Arkansas State. So he kind of knew the region a little bit, but then he went to Boise State. So there was just a, a total misfit there. And I feel like with what DeBoer has done at Washington, he's going to be there a while. Washington would be smart to sign him to a long-term contract, give him a big buyout. Um, but I think DeBoer has the secret sauce. I mean, what they're, now they're going to the Big Ten next year. They, they're, they're stepping up a little bit in weight class, but he has you know, took, took the team to the CFP final. Um, I think DeBoer is going to figure it out. I think Washington's got a title in them. Now, again, they got to fight through the Big Ten, but we'll see how it all goes. But DeBoer doesn't, from a regional standpoint, DeBoer makes zero sense. Um. James Franklin and Marcus Freeman. Now, Franklin, we know his lineage in SEC, and Marcus Freeman. I, I'm curious to know the heartbeat of the fan base at Notre Dame about Marcus Freeman. It has it's been good, but it hasn't been Notre Dame good. If you know what I'm saying. Again, I'm pulling for the brother. I hope he, you know, figures it out, put the pieces together. And Notre Dame goes on a run. I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him for that. But at the same time, let's think about this. Because somebody tweeted this out, and they go, and I'm sure they're probably in the minority. That's the only 
tweet I saw that said this, and this is a black person that tweeted this, is that it's time for Alabama to hire a black coach. I was like, in 2024, in this political climate? <laughs> okay, Franklin and Freeman ain't going to happen. James, uh, James Franklin, I think for other reasons. Again, I like James Franklin. I'm rooting for the guy. I'm rooting for the brother, but... It's like Penn State is just kind of always just there, and then it doesn't happen. So I don't think Franklin's going to happen either. Um, oh, here's a name that wasn't on the, quote, official list, but people brought it up. Coach Prime. Nah. that Again, for a lot of the same reasons that Franklin and Freeman, I'm pushing them off the list. Coach Prime ain't going to happen either. I mean, although him and Saban are cool, they're tight, you would think that would kind of get them in the door with a AD Greg Byrne, but I, I mean, they maybe they'll talk to him, but that ain't gonna happen, guys. I mean, Franklin, Freeman, and Coach Prime, that ain't gonna happen. I mean, I would be on the floor shocked if that happened. Like, I, I mean, I, literally, I would probably look like, uh, if you remember the old, well, for some of you, if you remember the Tom and Jerry cartoons and the jaw just hits the floor or the Tex Avery cartoons, yeah, I would be like that, but that ain't gonna happen. All right, let's look at the other names. So we'll start from top to bottom here. Sarkeesian makes sense. Remember, he was a former OC. He was on the staff. Uh, he was quarterback's coach. Uh, well, he was, I'm sorry, offensive analyst, and he moved to OC and then took off the Texas job. Um, kind of in some regards to DeBoer, same situation as Sark. So Texas in the CFP this year didn't get past uh, Washington. Um Sark's building something in Texas. I think I, I would be real shocked if he left and took the Alabama job. Again, Sark had the opportunity at USC. He stepped away. I'm sorry. He had the opportunity at Washington. He took the USC job, stepped away due to personal issues. So Sark has kind of established himself, but I think he has the potential to really, again, like DeBoer, do establish a great foundation, do something special in Texas. It would be crazy for him to leave. I don't know what his buyout is. Um, Mike Norvell. So his buyout is $4 million, and I can kind of see Norvell. And the reason I can is because here's the thing. Florida State. Florida State's got a lot of tumult right now with getting snubbed by the CFP. Um, then of course, now the school is trying to fight with ACC to unbind themselves from their, uh, media arrangement to potentially look at switching conferences, which, I mean, if they do this, if they do this from the legal standpoint, this would be such a massive legal precedent. This would unravel conferences in, in a way that we'll, we've, we've never seen. And there have been talk, I think Chip Kelly talked about this, about having, uh, what is it, that blah, 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 super, or not super conferences, but conferences that are more regional. So align the schools per the region, and then you say, okay, we'll play these schools in our region one year, we'll flip the script, play these other schools in our region the next year, but every year you play somebody on the other side of the country, what have you, whatever, whatever. But if Florida State pulls this off, this is going to be ridiculously crazy. Um, but Norville leaving to Florida State, I'm sorry, to Florida State to go to Alabama and his his buyout is $4 million. That's a drop in the bucket. I could see it happening. Um, let's go up the list here. Sartre, Norville, Dan Lanning. Mm, 
$20 million buyout. Lanning has vehemently said that he is an Oregon guy. Now, as we know, people say that all the time. Money talks, baloney walks. Um, big buyout that may be something that kind of, you know, says to Alabama, I don't we want to put out that much money. Lanning was on Saban staff, I think, as a defensive coach. Um, then he then he went to Oregon and then got named head coach um, after um, uh, Mario Cristobal left. Um, Lanning, I'm kind of in my notes, I said, meh, because, again, on one hand, I think Lanning is kind of that, you know, the wonderkind right now. He's like the super young guy. He's got Oregon trending in the right direction. You know, again, a team that, you know, can do some things. I mean, if it happened, I wouldn't be totally surprised, but that's a pretty steep price tag for a buyout at $20 million. And the last person, Dabo Sweeney. So I've said it on this platform a thousand times that when Saban retires, Dabo's got the job, or at least it should be his. I think he'd be the first call. Now, there are a lot of people who think that's crazy, and there, and there are downsides to this. So let's kind of walk through this real quick. So first of all, Buyout for Dabble's $4 million. So remember, Dabble signed a big extension a few years ago, and his money dropped every year because there was the thought by many, especially those close to the Clemson program, that when and if Saban retires, that will probably be, he will probably be the guy. So I saw a tweet yesterday where Alabama fans were chanting anyone but Dabo. And I'm kind of going, okay, I see what you're saying. Number one, he's kind of got some issues with NIL. Okay, number one. Number two, he's not really a big guy when it comes to transfers. So both things are things that have made Alabama football what it is, the NIL piece and, of course, the transfer piece. So great recruiting along with transfers, having great coaching has made Alabama what they are. So I kind of feel like this, and we've seen this across a lot of different sports where you see – let, let's say we'll take it to basketball for a second. Coach K, all those years he didn't take transfers. What did he do? He changed his policy. Um, on the court, his X's and O's, he changed up some things. Okay, well, we like to play man-to-man, but you got to do a little zone from time to time. So I'm hoping that if Dabo gets the call, he's going to be smart enough to recognize, number one, this is a great opportunity. Number two, he's got to change in order to keep winning because, again, He's done some winning at Clemson. He hasn't been doing a lot of winning at the level that they've been accustomed to lately, but he can win it at Alabama because because think about it. I think two of their championships, they went, Clemson and Alabama went head-to-head for two of their championships. So it can get done. Um, but, of course, winning cures everything. So he comes in the door, recruits well, wins, maybe you know wins and wins over the fan base, Everyone's going to forget that two-thirds of the people or how many there are saying, we don't want him, okay? But he's got to evolve. But I think his Dabo has the right of first refusal here. So if they if Greg Byrne calls him and Dabo's like, ah, I'm good, then it's open. But I think being an Alabama guy, being a former player, he's had success. He's got to tweak his philosophies a little bit in order to – Stay relevant and keep winning. If that happens, he wins. The fan base, again, winning forgives all sins. 
simple. I mean, we know this to be true. If you watch sports, you know. If you're winning, nobody, nobody cares about certain things. Now, to that point, there are certain things that you should care about when someone's winning. I'm just going to leave that there, and that's kind of, you know, if you know, you know. But at the same time, too, winning cures that fan apathy. So if if he takes the job, he's got to recognize that he's got to do things differently than he did at Clemson, obviously. But he's got to kind of adapt his philosophy to, hey, we got to bring in transfers. Transfers are the lifeblood. We've got to embrace NIL continue to embrace NIL fully for this thing to continue in a positive way. So that's kind of my thought on uh, those co- the coaching candidates, but wanted to get that out there, my thoughts out there, because for all I know, <laughs> he, he could have a successor by Friday. We don't know, but I, I, I would be surprised if Saban's successor would, was named anytime soon. But again, famous last words, you know, you know how it works here. The minute I stop recording, what happens? Finish my sentence if you listen long enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And I'll be back at you tomorrow, or at least the plan right now is I'll be back at you with a full show tomorrow. We'll kind of update any of the things that's happened with Nick Saban. We'll talk NFL. We'll get into wildcard weekend. We'll do all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. Peace. I'll talk to you later.